Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of the MLS Bench Podcast. There's two of us here today. I'm Joey, and instead of Andres this week, it's Matt who joins me back on off a little bit of a hiatus to touch on a crazy week of MLS. And Matt, how are you doing, first of all? Uh, and then if you want to dive into uh, our CCL review, because if you guys uh, didn't realize, it's the CCL rounds happened after Andres and I last talked. So Matt, how are you doing? And then you can dive right in to your CONCACAF Champions League recap. Yeah, great to be back. Uh, just uh, apparently it's a busy time for accountants, so such is the way life. But uh, yeah, really, really good to dive back into some Major League Soccer. Really, really interesting to see some of the results coming out from uh, CONCACAF Champions League. And I think that we kind of have to start with absolute just embarrassment, truth be told, for Austin uh, over both legs. I just never saw them get up to speed. Um, and I, you know, we have to sing their praises. Violetta, absolutely, or is it Violetta Valiet? The team from Haiti, um, they found a way, they dug deep and, and made it happen after not having been able to play for almost a year, after just so much turmoil within, going on within Haiti, for them to be able to go ahead and, and make this match happen. They were picking up players from uh, FC Motown. They were picking up players from all over the place here in the States so that they could field a team, and they made it happen. And that's truly, like, that's the story of Champions League for, for me this season. Uh, and then there's, you know... Uh, some other good news for Major League Soccer teams, um, LAFC, Vancouver, Philly, all make it through. I think that they were all pretty well favored to do so, although LAFC going down to Alajuelense and actually winning on the road, that's impressive. That was a massive, massive feat for a Major League Soccer team. And then how do you feel about Philly going through and, and uh, getting to play Atlas out of Mexico? Uh, you know, the draw could have been better. I'll, I'll say it like that. Uh, Outlaw's a very good side that actually, um, had to pull off some heroics to get through. They were, went down a uh, 4-1 to CD Olympia, uh, Honduran team. And then they had to, you know, win by that three goal or greater margin, um, in the return leg and they went 4-0 at home. So, I mean, that's part of that, you know, uh, Champions League magic where, you have the away leg can go terribly and you come home and you can make some magic happen. Um, so Atlas will definitely be riding some steam uh, in this competition. And I mean, we're, we're talking about a team that um, I forget what they call it, but like the Bicampeon or something of Mexico where they won uh, the Apertura and the uh, Clausura, I believe um, yeah. in 2022 that, that, you know, carry over year. So, Crazy, crazy uh, results recently for them. Now, this year, uh, currently in the Klaus era 2023 in Liga Mekis, not quite as good 12th place, but we're talking about a team that in recent years has had, you know, so so much going for them. So to have Philly play them is going to be, um, it's definitely going to be a massive test. Uh, in Philly's case, the the zero zero draw down, down in Alianza, we talked about that with Andres, but then they come home. No, you know, uh, no surprise. They stomp Alianza 4-0. They just needed to not, um, or they just needed to win, uh, not give up that away goal. And for Philly, it was kind of a, 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 you know, brush your hands off, job done situation. 
So Philly, uh, Philly Atlas is definitely going to be maybe the uh, the highlight of the second round if you're looking just on a, a pure talent kind of storyline uh, basis. But I, I do want to stick with Austin just for just a quick second where you uh, you started by touching on it, um, Matt. Violette is like they didn't even get a home game because they can't play in Haiti. So they played mm-hmm. in the Dominican Republic. We're talking about, you know, Austin going to not even uh, to, I mean, it was a Violette favorite crowd, but we're talking about Austin going to a neutral site and getting stomped and coming home and not being able to do the same thing. I think for them, that has got to really hurt because I, even though, you know, some of us aren't super high on Austin, they're better than that. Yeah, truthfully, they, if you look at the talent that is in that team for, for this to happen against a team that has gone through so much is really they've got to do some soul searching and and i'm sure we're, we're going to dig into their their attempt to come back from all of this in major league soccer this week and they didn't get it done and it's just it's really really it's difficult you know losing in champions league is not necessarily an embarrassment orlando didn't make it through this season but they played against tigris they got a nil nil draw on the road at tigris the team in north america right now and they also got one well, one draw at home against that same Tigris team and just lost on away goals. If you're looking at those two teams, if you're looking at Orlando and Austin, one of them, they lost but can hold their heads high at least. And uh, Austin, I'm just... I'm nowhere near as confident in them as I was at the beginning of the season, obviously. Some, some idiots might have picked them for Supporter Shield, but, you know, such is the way of life. <laughs> You know, some sometimes the picks don't don't quite go your way. There's still time uh, for it to turn around. No, we'll, uh, we'll talk about Austin uh, and their uh, Copa Tejas derby against Houston uh, coming up on the pod. But for them in this competition, uh, just an absolute uh, uh, catastrophe and definitely a bit of a marked point for where they are so far this season. If, if you know, we look back and we say, oh, yeah, they lost in CCL. That's how they were doing at that point in the year. Um, yeah, that They're n- not... Not exactly flying at this stage of the competition. Uh, Whitecaps get through pretty easily. Not a lot uh, to talk about there. They won um, that that massive uh, 5-0 leg at home, which basically Mm -hmm. uh, sent them through. Uh, They didn't even have to play the second leg. Uh, Real España, uh, 3-2 in the second leg. So uh, the the losers put up a little bit of a fight against the Whitecaps, but um, at at the end of the day, 7-3 on aggregate. Plenty good to see the Whitecaps go through. And then, uh, b- before we move on, I do want to, you know, get your thoughts on the Tigres Orlando. You said like uh, Orlando could have their heads held high, and and this was something that I'm really impressed by. They fought Tigres to the bitter end. A beautiful goal, one of the goals of the year so far um, by Erkan Kara, the bicycle kick, just beautiful. And Orlando was again, you didn't win, but again, you lost on away goals, like. You 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 fought them literally blow for blow, and it just so happened that the goal came in the wrong place. But I'm really proud of Orlando and and Matt. I I gotta get, get, excuse me. I gotta get your thoughts on this. But you said that you are too. Yeah, absolutely. Like we know the the giants that Tigres are, and obviously this the the return leg did not have Andre Pierre Gignac, but there is still so much talent that's uh, Colombian national team, Mexican national team. It's just a really, really good side for Tigres. And 
uh, Orlando fought in there. You know, it was not ever the prettiest soccer, but they were they had chances. They created opportunities. Um, and I think you know it's going to be something that they can kind of rally together now around for the rest of the Major League Soccer season. Uh, I think that they're going to, considering they don't have uh, Champions League to fall back on now, I feel like they're probably going to try and make a push for League's Cup. I think that this is a team that is still built to try and win silverware in some way or another, and I think that you're going to see them go out and go after it, and and I'm going to give them a good chance because they showed well this time around. Yeah, they definitely seem like a club that is kind of built for these um, tournaments, you know, you know, not not massive sample size uh, events where, you know, you, you can, you know, you know, work really hard, scrap out a tie, and bam, you're on to the next round. And it's like, where did that come from? Because in the league, they haven't had you know, the ability to sustain a, a run of success recently. But for example, Open Cup, they just got the job done. In this competition against uh, a side, a lesser side than Tigres, Orlando would probably be through at this point. And so I, I think, especially when we talk about Open's Cup, Open Cup, excuse me, Leeds Cup, uh, and that kind of stuff, that could go a massive, massive way. Um, and they definitely have players to be excited about and a structure to be excited about. So for Orlando, I think, it, again, you said, like you said, head held high and hope for the future. So in the next round, uh, Philly will play Atlas and the Whitecaps. Unfortunately, a little bit for us MLS fans, we'll take on LAFC, which means MLS will have at max two slots in the semifinals. I still think that this is a very strong year for MLS and a great chance, particularly I think we'd be looking at LAFC uh, to, to win the competition. Though if Philly's able to get through Atlas, who who knows what uh, could come next. And uh, in the non-MLS ties, Leon, uh, who you know made pretty easy work of Tauro, play Violette, Motagua takes on Tigres. Motagua, the only side we didn't talk about, they, uh, in a little bit of an upset, defeated uh, Pachuca. The the mm. no nil at Matagua, but then the one one draw at Pachuca, the away goal sends Matagua through, and now they have an even tougher matchup versus Tigres. So we'll see what happens. But th- these are some. Uh, this is one of our favorite competitions. Super interesting uh, results for our MLS sides, and we'll be cheering them on <clears throat> in the quarterfinals coming up in just a week or two. So that should be a lot of fun. Matt, let's switch it back stateside. Talk some MLS. And the story, as it has been basically every week, you can hit this one. St. Louis stays perfect. Four wins out of four. Yeah, this is really, really impressive stuff. And and I'm a Kansas City fan through and through, so praising St. Louis is difficult for me. But they're doing so much right right now. Um, And I think that it comes from starting early, having a very, very good and, like, contiguous mindset throughout in building that their their player base getting getting Garnell in early number one smart have somebody to build around the system um and so now we're seeing a, a game against San Jose who you know is still very much going through a rebuilding phase but you don't have your your starting center backs you're going up against Christian Espinosa you're going up against Jamie Obisi these are this, it's a dangerous team and you come out, you shut them out at home, you do the job, and you do it in style. And this Seattle or St. Louis team is really proving that they might be real. Uh, the only thing that I'll, I'll you know, 
kind of give them is they are really outperforming their expected goals. But again, if you're putting them away, so be it. And if you're creating chances because of the Red Bull-esque system that you're running, you're going to find ways to go ahead and get into good spots. Uh, I, I'm still very much interested to see if they can do it over the long term. I think getting Tim Parker back, getting Nilsson back, they're going to get even better as the season goes on. And that's that's truly a really, really scary thing. This is far and away the most impressive uh, expansion team that I've seen as I've been watching over the last almost decade. Truly, really, really impressive work. Yeah, I mean, at this point, a historic expansion side, right? And I think for St. Louis, I think this is where we can get a little bit tactical. And it's not so much in what they you know, do, it's what they don't do. They don't try and play with the ball and open themselves up to see the talent side because that's one thing that expansion sides are never able to fully get, which is, which is uh, besides maybe LAFC or Atlanta, is like a bunch of technical players around the pitch that can facilitate a passing system. That isn't a way that expansion sides normally work. And if you look at MLS history, it really isn't the case. But if you have someone like Bradley Carnell who is so devoted to his way of playing and you can build a side structured around that it is a side and a structure that is built to do things like overperform expected goals and hit on a couple big chances a half because you know you when you send long balls and you just pressure the heck out of defenses sometimes stuff falls in your favor and if St. Louis is able to convert those then that's the way to win because also defensively they've stayed very sound and if you put those two things together you got yourself you know, a, a good result, and and so far for them, it's been working. Yes, I think the one thing that can be said is over overperforming expected goals, absolutely, and some of the expected goals that they do have are on teams basically backpassing them the ball. It happened twice in the first two weeks, backpassing the ball right into a one v one situation, and then they just make no mistake. Those two things aren't that repeatable, but the fact that St. Louis has been able to play this way and the teams that they've played against haven't been able to stop it so far in the season makes me seem that makes me feel that this kind of success that they've had might not be, you know, like lightning in a bottle. This might be something sustainable. Maybe not four wins out of four top of the top of the west kind of stuff, but this could be something that you know, a team and a style that we see succeed as we get later on in the season. Matt, do you yeah. agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think the the proving factor in all this is they have had to go through a couple of significant injuries and they've found a way to work it through it. Um, and again, you're right. It, a lot of it comes back to the fact that they don't need, you know, intricate players. They need to go ahead and get vertical. They need to go ahead and get their their scoring players running at teams, uh, you know, seeing Klaus's kind of tank-like run through the uh, San Jose defense was proof that if they just get the ball to the right spots, they can make stuff happen. And, you know, it's it's really very impressive stuff. And San Jose was a team that I was interested about because their results uh, to start the year haven't been all that bad. Um, I guess if you look at, you know, what could have been, for example, like, they they should have beaten um Atlanta at Atlanta if Tiago Amada doesn't pull his witchcraft. But and then they win the next two games uh after that. They they beat Vancouver two one at home, beat uh the Rapids 
one nil at home. So maybe not the, the the most emphatic results against teams that I don't think are that great. And but then you come to St. Louis with you know a, a decent bit of momentum after that kind of like shake it off and uh, get back to it in the week one, and then they get just smoked against St. Louis. So. Mm-hmm. For San Jose, I think it might be a bit of a uh, reality check where they are. But, I mean, it's a, it's a fine side. It's a, it's a side for St. Louis that you need to beat if you want to be a, you know, maybe not even just a playoff team, but an upper echelon playoff team. And it feels weird that we're talking about this team in that context, but they're the only side in MLS that it has four wins out of four, right? Like, mm-hmm. they're the only side that hasn't dropped a point so far this season. Um, and... Literally, they have played four games in their history. So that's it, it's really impressive stuff. I don't know what to say. Matt, do you want to close our thoughts on this game, on this team? Uh, maybe the last time that we'll talk that they'll stay perfect, but it's a story. It, it's absolutely a massive story, and, and credit to the the uh, decision makers across the team. Um, I, I, I'm really, really interested to see how they continue to grow into the season. I think they're getting so much production out of their designated players right now. And they still have a lot of flexibility to go out and add additional talent if they want to. Um, and I think that that's really going to color the, the last half of the season. Um, there's the reports that they're chasing after uh, Roberto Firmino. There's the, the upper end or the, the, the ceiling of this team has continued to grow and grow and grow for me over these last four matches. And I'm just a little bit on the back foot. I did not see this coming. Uh, and I think a lot of that credit for me right now is going to Bradley Carnell. I think we're talking about a potential coach of the year type season right now. It's still early. There's still so much season ahead of us, uh, but truly, really impressive work. For San Jose, uh, I'm not super worried. I think that they still have a ton of talent. I think getting Grueso, uh, uh, Grueso coming off injured is really difficult for them to deal with uh, because they also are without Judson through injury too. So they're going to have to find some way to go ahead and build that midfield stability. But I still really like their talent going forward. So still hope there, but uh, going to be interested to see how they deal with that. Yeah, for the last couple of years, San Jose has had amazing talent going forward and just hasn't been able to back it up um, on the backside. But we'll see if they're able to kind of adjust that this year. Uh, getting shelled at St. Louis isn't necessarily going to help uh, the morale. Um, but no, you're right. Uh, Bradley, Bradley Carnell coming in with, and not my favorite, I don't like that style. But if it works for you, I can't argue with it. And it and it works for St. Louis. Lutz Fannenstiel also potentially, you know, exec of the year. He's been great as well. Um, and, and St. Louis is flying. Four wins out of four and 12 points to lead the league in the early season. We can move to Atlanta. And Matt, I think Tiago Almada is showing himself uh, to be probably the best player in the league. The second coming of Miguel Almiron in the way that he can score himself, the way that he can create. He does it all, and uh, Atlanta is very, very truly back after a few years of uh, hiatus. Yeah, this is the first kind of note that this team is actually back-back. And obviously, uh, you know, 
put the context of they're going up against Portland. Portland is really struggling through injury. Um, but again, you beat the teams in front of you. Every single piece of this Atlanta side right now is clicking. And we have not had that since, what was that incredible season? 2018? Uh, 18, yeah. Yeah. And so much of that runs through Tiago Almada. And I think really what we're, what we're thinking about makes Tiago Almada particularly good. What, what his elite abilities are is his vision when they are in transition is absolutely next level. It's beyond what anybody else in Major League Soccer is doing at this moment outside of like maybe Ricky Puj. This is going to break Almiron's record type talent. Um, and then you surround him with players who are stepping up the way that Caleb Wiley is. Players that are being brought in to be the focal point of the attack, like Georgios Yakamakis. And you have Lise Araujo, who I think is finally starting to feel some of the pressure taken off of him, so that maybe he can actually find ways to put away those chances that have been in great spots, but just never been on target, or find he's the decision is being taken out of his hands. It's just really starting to click, and they are defensively stable with the return of Miles Robinson. And then you should get them in transition, and they are lightning in a bottle. Like, they are just absolutely on fire. This is a really, really fun team to watch. What, how do you, what are you thinking about this team right now, Joey? Uh, I got to echo a lot of your comments. I was thinking, you know, Brad Guzan, Miles Robinson are back from those kind of freak injuries last year. Uh, Miles Robinson uh, partnering with Parata makes it um, it's just kind of a stabilizing force in the back. Last year it looked uh, iffy at times, and those two have kind of held down the fort and made sure that when the attack isn't humming necessarily, it's not like they're, you know, just conceding goal after goal. And it's helped, you know, one goal conceded over the last two games. Um, the, the, the only one being to Portland when they were already up, uh, like four goals or something. So, you know, for, for them, like, it, it, it basically perfect in the back. And then you could go anywhere when you're talking about up top. Obviously, the, the focal point and, and the star is Almada, but your boy Giacomacus got his goal. Arujo mm-hmm. seems to finally be coming into his own, and I, that's a story in and of itself. And I, I do want to get your thoughts on Caleb Wiley. Like, we're talking about a youngster for the U.S., still very, very young, 18 years old, an 04, a guy who was playing left back at times, has slid up the pitch into a winger role, and has got himself on the MLS leading, you know, goal sheet for the first four weeks. Like, that's kind of come out of nowhere for me. And when you add that into, you know, Almada and Arojo are already flourishing, um then you've got yourself a dynamite attack. And if Jacques is able to find any kind of form in front of net, and it's still early for him, hasn't got that much playing time, this is his first start, I believe, um, then, I mean, how do you stop it? Matt, what are your thoughts on Caleb Wiley? Caleb Wiley, uh, so what I really love about him, again, if we're looking at those transition moments, is that he picks his spots really, really well. To time his runs uh, and to... Just make sure that they're not getting too close together really, really well. And then I, he served in an absolute dime for that assist for Giacomacus. Like, that that ball coming in from the left was next level good. I, I just, 
I can't say enough good things about the guy. And, you know, he's an Academy product. And um, I believe that I saw reports that they had already turned down a bid for more than what they sold George Bellow for. This is going to be a team that is really generating a lot of revenue because they're starting to really step some of those players up. Um, and I'm really interested to see the way that uh, Garth Lagerway handles that because he's also been pretty active in the media saying that he's going to go ahead and bring a little bit more efficiency, a little bit more moneyball perspective to this Atlanta side, which with as many resources as they have could be an absolute boon for this team. This is a really, really exciting moment for Atlanta United. A super exciting moment. I mean, we're talking, you mentioned Wiley getting sold for big money. Tyler Wolf is also on their bench, who played good minutes with the U20s in the uh, CONCAF championship over the summer. If you just talk about their attack, right, you still have guys like Miguel Berry coming off the bench. You started in prior weeks. They won games with him in there. Um, now that Giacomacus is in and, and scoring, and, and Araujo is participating, Almada, two goals, two assists. Caleb Wiley um is again like we mentioned just flying already i believe three goals on the young season so far so far two assists um the the two goals and assists coming last game and when you mentioned about timing his runs he again a perfect example go watch his goal versus charlotte i believe it was the second goal just him coming in off the backside of a defender in transition and just being there, present at the back post when the ball squirted through, uh, and scores that one, and then a goal and assist this weekend. Atlanta is flourishing right now. I don't think there's a ton to talk about with Portland because they are kind of snake-bitten with injury. But in many ways, it's a similar lineup to what they um, ran out at the beginning of the year, You know, save for Jimmy Chara's injury. And it just doesn't look great. It, it really... All around, it just is not the cohesive of a team. None of their games, they've looked that convincing, I'll be honest. Uh, and I think for this team, it's got to hurt. And if you play if you play Portland, you know, you, you've you got to be licking your chops at this point because they look like such a beatable side. Um, one win, three losses to the first four, uh, conceding goals at a two-to-one two clip, two-to-one conceded uh, to scored. So it's just not not clicking right now for Portland. Matt, if, if you could identify one weakness in this team, what do you think it would be? Yep, uh, it's it's center back, uh, truthfully. And it's tough, you know, the sill of uh, Bill Twiloma really surprised me because he kind of helped solidify that back line uh, over the last couple seasons. Um, and you look at, it's Zuparch, it's Maviala, it's uh, Zach McGraw. Zuparch and Maviala, I believe, were in the 2019 MLS Cup against Atlanta. Uh, but Father Time has not been kind to them. Uh, I have seen reports that they are very much still on the market for a center back, as well as uh, having uh, signed Frank Bo- or uh, Frank Boley. Uh, so that will give them uh, some additional support going forward, where they have really struggled to hit on their designated player strikers. Um, but right now, everything kind of comes down to the fact that they are letting way too many good chances by. Yeah, you're 100% right on that. And if you look at that team sheet and you look at the center back sheet, you're not looking at bad players. You're looking at a system that seems to kind of be failing them right now. They don't look like a cohesive unit. I don't know how you uh, solve that, but that's for, you know, Gio Savarese to solve. Um, And if he doesn't, I wonder if this year he could be seeing the hook, you know, after 
what happened last year in the disaster, not making the playoffs. This year it looks like an absolute uh, uh, crap show so far. Um, we'll see if he's able to turn it around. Jimmy Char comes back. Because as an entity, I have faith in Portland, but they haven't been giving me much reason to have that kind of um, hope uh, th- this far. Uh, this far, so we'll we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, but hey, belief needs to uh, still be there among Portland fans because, like we said, when you have guys like Santi Moreno, Nathan Fagasa, who can change games, it, it just needs to come off at some point, and it really hasn't so far. Um, in, in this season so far, we can move on. Stay, uh, stick in uh, Cascadia, I guess. If we're going to transition from Portland to Seattle, Seattle LAFC was supposed to be the the big game of the weekend. It was. It had its own time slot. It was billed. It was on national television, and it ends goalless. Not too many opportunities, but you know, hey, I that 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 soccer sometimes sometimes the great game on paper doesn't uh you know, turn out that way. Matt, I don't think we have to spend long on this game because there wasn't scoring to touch on. But what do you what do you want to hit on this one? Yeah, this is a very interesting match, really from the tactical perspective. And this was one I uh, was very very lucky. I got to watch this with Joe Lowry and Jordan Angeli, who uh, I think Joe is trying to do a playback stream maybe once a week for backfield. So uh, keep your eyes out for that because it's it's really interesting stuff. And I know I personally learned a lot listening and talking with those folks. So uh, if you're interested, listener, take a look. Um, so what we really kind of talked about with this match is what each team is is still doing well. And the the thing that... Seattle has going for them is that their talented players are back and healthy. And I think of Joe Paolo uh, really allowing for Rusnak to go ahead and join the attack more for them to go ahead and generate a little bit more fluidity through the midfield and the attack. Um, And it's really interesting uh, that Brian Schmetzer at the beginning of the season to come out that teams had kind of figured out uh, Seattle tactically They've changed certain things so they're being a little bit less dogmatic. They're they're really trying to find the right moments to be tiki-taka. They're trying to find the right moments to sit back, absorb pressure, and then spring through Morris, which has worked very well for them this season. Um, And I think what we really just saw is two good defenses on the day that really limited quality chances either way, um, which... It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, I was a baseball fan way back when, and, and they used to say that, uh, the most entertaining game was a zero, zero or zero one match. Like it's just a true defensive battle between these teams. Uh, and then when you look at, um, what LAFC did well on the day, they sat back. They really are not playing much with the ball anymore, which is kind of an interesting, different wrinkle that I had not seen until this weekend. They really like to go ahead and sit back. They will actually tend to bypass Ilya Sanchez in uh, possession. Let him just focus on shuttling back and forth to kind of protect that back line from direct runners. And it's really working pretty well for them. They generate several chances a game. I, I, it's a different wrinkle that I had not seen with LAFC before. So I, I like that um, in this match. You're right, though. Just... Not too much to talk about, but some interesting wrinkles that I'm going to try and keep on focusing on as the season goes on. 
Yeah, I think your 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 point about them not playing with the ball. I've noticed it, and we talked about it a little bit how they like to sit back and then uh, you know really forward press these teams, um, make make life difficult for them. But they're so they're so much better, like so so much better than some of these teams that they end up not really being able to play without the ball because like they just are gifted the ball because of the talent difference on the field. So they end up having to play with the ball anyways, and they were able to do good things with it. But against a team that is as good as Seattle is and a, and a team that like their soccering ability is, is as good as Seattle is. I think they were able to show a little bit more how they can, you know, sit back and absorb pressure and go. And I think for LAFC, you still got to be happy because you know that that attack is going to generate goals. The question is always defensively with them. And they showed here that they can hold up on the road against a very good Seattle team and, you know, absorb some chances and come out unscathed. So I think for them, it's, that's a positive thing. And for Seattle, I, I think you're still kind of getting back into the form. Rui Diaz hasn't been 100% fit. So if you're able to solve some of those minor issues, I think we're talking about, you know, if these two teams play each other, I, I'm pretty sure they do. Uh, again, down the line in LA, probably a more exciting game. But I, just at this point in the season, this matchup I don't think was necessarily made for goals. But hey, it goes like that sometimes. Do you have anything more in this one, Matt, or we can move on? Yeah, I was just gonna say, really good to see Obed Vargas back up and and in the team. That was I I'm really excited to see him with the U uh, twenty team for the what is that Concacaf Championship? Nah, uh, World Cup, baby. Oh, there we go, U twenty World Cup, baby. Let's rock. Uh, yeah, dude's got so much talent. He kind of struggled in this particular match because I think that LAFC kind of saw him as an opportunity to win some physical battles. So something to be considered there, but uh, really excited to have him back. Yeah, eyes out uh, for Obed Vargas in the April's uh, U20 FIFA World Cup. Can't wait to see that come to pass. U20s were actually in action today and got kind of smoked against France, so uh, may, maybe not the, the U20s day, but uh, yeah, can't, can't wait to see them in action and for Obed to come back. He's just going to he's gonna be such a good player, such an important uh, piece in defense and midfield uh, for club and country going forward, so I can't wait to see what he's able, able to do, uh, and, and so glad to see him back from these long-term injuries. It just got to absolutely hurt. Uh, yeah, we can move to a game that I'm not exactly excited to touch on. I was watching this with a couple other games, so I wasn't necessarily giving it the, the detail maybe it deserved. Uh, Philly go down 1-0 in the first half in Montreal. Then they score two uh, via uh, Mikel Ora, the first one coming like 30 seconds into the second half. Then Carranza gets sent off, Montreal gets two late goals, and Philly have somehow lost another game on the road to start the season. Matt... It's kind of a disaster. I mean, it was right there. I, I think, uh, again, we're a clean podcast, but I, I heard a Jim Curtin quote out of the post game that said, uh, the word to describe it is the SHIT show. Um, yeah, I, I think that that can summarize it pretty well. That's the too long, didn't read version. For the Union, they just, they, they, they choked this game. There's no other way to put it. In Montreal, Mikel Aura is, you know, from Daniel Gosdog twice in the span of 15 minutes. Carranza gets his second yellow, and after that, things started to go downhill. Kyoto ended up getting the winner on 90 plus 8. There was a lot of stoppage time. Uh, and for the Union, this one just did not go their way. Matt, what do you have on this one? I don't think it's necessarily indicative of future results because it's kind of a weird you know, chain of events, but man, it hurts to lose. You know, Go, go from 
in in a stoppage time with all three points, and then they come out of stoppage time with not a one. Yeah, my my big question on this because this is not a match that I was able to catch. Um, was this really just a a moment of picking up that second yellow card and then everything just really changing from that point, or was there actually just like a a battle that was being lost at some point that really was exacerbated by the fact that they went down to ten men because they were up to one at that point. Uh, Ua had a really, really nice little game. You know, it, it's good to see him getting on the the score sheet regularly. But I was I was just interested to hear your perspective on was there something that was found out about Philly, or is this their ten men? Yeah, I I mean, I again, like I said, like watching this game kind of on the side, particularly in the second half, and, and when Carranza picked up that second yellow, it just seemed like it, it's what happens when teams get red cards, especially on the mm-hmm. road. You start to sit back, you start to lose possession, and eventually Montreal cashed in, and they cashed in twice in the span of like four, four or was it eight minutes? Um, you know the the first uh it, it the first goal Kyoto's penalty on three minutes, super unfortunate for Glesnes, handball in the box, second minute, not much he can do. He was a an absolute tank though. Besides that, cleaning up fires, uh, you know, he stopped a one v one from ever even coming into existence because he closed down the space so well. So, you know, Glesnitz outside that handball was excellent. Um, Union just couldn't really find a way through in the first half. Not much to speak of besides uh, that that Kyoto penalty. And then right out the gates, Aura gets the two, and I'm feeling confident. I'm like, okay, here we go. Union's starting to be more confident with the ball. We're moving it. We're getting the goals. Um, and, and then when that red card happened, they just started to tilt. And, it's gonna be, and then, you know, I think really on 87 minutes, when Bedoya goes out for Damian Lowe, it becomes full, you know, bunker down and just eat the next 10 minutes and hope that you don't concede. They did concede twice and they lose the game. But I don't think there's anything massive um, to take away from this game just because when you go down uh, to 10 men in the way that Philly did on the road um, in, in Star Olympic, it just, yeah, it, it's not, not the uh, recipe for success. Philly... Start of the season, two wins at home, two losses on the road. For Montreal, I mean, this is where it's really unfortunate because for Philly, they had this team, 2-1. And it's a Montreal side that didn't win one of their first three, lost at Miami and Austin and Nashville. So three straight road losses to open up the season. Um, and a chance to spoil their homecoming goes missing for Philly. I don't know, Matt. You said you didn't watch this one, so I, I don't know. There's more we can touch on. It just it hurts. I mean, for for Kyoto though, two goals, and we're talking about a massive player for this Montreal side that seems to be stepping up um, in his first home match. A quick word from you on Kyoto and what he can be for this team if they're going to have any kind of success this year. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be the the heartbeat of their attack, truthfully. Um, and I, I think that from from what little I did get to see watching the highlights and seeing the the connection between the players, the coaches, and the fans, I really thought that this is something that Montreal needed. Um, and so to see them kind of make a run for that was was great. Uh, do I think that they truly have all the pieces to go ahead and and get everything pulling together? Not really. I think they can be more defensively solid with the return of George Campbell. Um, I think that Kyoto is a great player as a second threat, and I'm hoping that they can find somebody to really, really give him that support. Because if you can play Kyoto off, then I think that you can largely play Montreal off. 
Yeah. It's one of those things where losing um, Mihailovic and Joaquin Torres in the same offseason is a massive, uh, massive hit for them. They still got Mason Toy up top, and we know that he has talent too. But Kyoto really has to shoulder uh, the brunt of it. And uh, he did well on Saturday, did what he needed to do. Uh, but I'm not sure if it's uh, sustainable for this team. Um, and certainly a team going down to 10 men with 20 minutes, uh, really 30 minutes after stoppage time left. That that's again what happened with the Union the previous week, right? They, uh, you know, Columbus goes down, or I'm sorry, not not Columbus. Um, why am I blanking on the team that the Union played last week? But anyways, they go down to ten men, and then sorry, fire. Yeah, the fire go down to ten. Then the Union are able to scrap and eventually get that goal uh, on ninety minutes. Very very you know eerily similar situation in Montreal that just did not favor the Union this time around. We can move on from this game, a kind of a painful spot for me on what was otherwise a very good week of MLS and even the Union, uh, Union getting that win in the CCL. So kind of a, a, a stain on the early season for them. We can move down uh, down south to Texas, touch on Copa Tejas, Austin and Houston. This one was being played at PNC Park and for Houston to get the win in front of their home crowd to do it in the second half, and for Ache Ache to go on the score sheet as well, and what needs to be a massive season for him. Houston fans have just got to be absolutely buzzing right now. For Austin, we've talked about them earlier. I don't think we need to touch on them as much. Again, more painful uh, painful losses to open uh, up this season, but for Houston, Matt, man, they've got to be feeling good, especially when your star player, your captain, Hector Herrera, can get his goal. Yeah, there's been... A lot of ink spilt between, you know, the front office, between the coaching staff, between the press around Houston that they have been needing Hector Herrera to, to step up. And he did it. He did it this, this time around. You know, we, we need to see this more often, but him being able to find those opportunities to make a box arriving run are going to be big for for this team. Uh, they really, really need that additional support out of midfield. And when you have... You know, Artur, who you can kind of count on to sit back, I think that frees Achache up to to make some, you know, runs forward. Um, I like a lot of of what Houston did on this on this weekend. Uh, specifically, they were just very defensively sound. And, you know, when we're talking about Teenage Dewey, Ethan Bartlow, who I think, believe was a draft pick out of last season, there's just a lot to to like between that that young pairing who can hopefully kind of out physical most uh strikers within the league uh and then yeah uh goal for Herrera, goal for their other signing this offseason bossy uh there's some good stuff happening in houston i i'm interested to see how they continue to grow um but big win for for ben olsen's guys uh and then austin oof it's it's truly the the no good very bad week for Austin, um, and I think a lot of this is going to be hopefully solved by their new center back coming in, uh, Alexander Radovanic, Radovanovic, something to that effect. I apologize. That's tongue twister. Yeah, uh, but uh, uh, center back coming in on loan from a Belgian club, FC Kortrijk. Um, hopefully, that will mean that Alex Rings can step off the back line to go ahead and get into the midfield to go ahead and actually supply that stability and ability to go ahead and, and disperse the ball around. Um, but man, uh, it's just the, the 
re- regression to the mean is feeling a lot like falling off the cliff right now. And it's just a difficult moment for Austin. I think that Josh is going to, or Josh Wolf is going to find a way to go ahead and get his guys back around him to go ahead and get that system back in, in action. But, uh, they're going to need some, some folks to step up. And I think it can't just be Drusy. It cannot just be the Sebastian Drusy show. They have got to find some other ways to alleviate that pressure. Yeah. I mean, like I, I think that's a wonderful quote to encapsulate Austin season regression. The mean, is like falling off a cliff because that's a hundred percent what it is, and boy, they have been eating it so far this season. Just at every turn, they are in trouble. Um, and they need to start figuring stuff out right quick. Houston at home gets the win. I call it a PNC Stadium, PNC Park. It's now Shell Energy Stadium. All these teams uh, changing their stadium names. I can't keep up. Um, Steve Clark for Houston again, another big performance. Love Steve Clark. Uh. And I think it's time for him to really make a big impact. Last year, it was kind of out of his control. Team wasn't producing up top the way they should have. But getting these two goals against Austin, that's going to do a lot for their confidence as a team. It should. Um, Especially two second-half goals that they stuck in there. We were able to deal with some of Austin's punches and come back and respond with their own. Very positive for Houston. And they win against rival Austin 2-0 at home in the early season is going to have massive benefits for this team moving forward. Houston in eighth place, one win, two losses. They've only played three games so far. Uh, so game in hand over the, for them over most teams above them. And for Austin, uh, they, they do sit uh, a couple places above Houston due to the fact that they are two wins and two losses. Um, they've played four games. And for Austin, even though it's you know they're, they're 500 in MLS, the loss in CCL... And then the the opening loss at home to St. Louis and this loss to Houston kind of they 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 make the season look pretty awful uh, for what I think our expectations were and Austin fans expectations uh, had to have been higher than what this team has produced thus far. So disappointing for them. The big concern also is that I don't believe they have a huge amount of flexibility within their roster build to allow for additional signings to kind of support everything around them so it's it's going to be a lot for for wolf to figure out with this group that he already has right right this is a team that brought in rigoni right last year and he was supposed to be massive hasn't produced yet vicenin i mean there's only so much a single center back can do um and they haven't necessarily gotten shelled so far but again those are massive signings and when the team isn't producing with those signings in the lineup in MLS. You can't just turn around and buy, you know, replacements because the cap doesn't work like that. And DPs don't work like that. And so you kind of put yourself in this hole, not, not just in the game results, but also how you can uh, respond to that. So for Austin, we'll see what they can do, but it it doesn't look pretty thus far. Let's a couple quick hits. Uh, Jesus Ferreira. Uh, gets another goal right versus Sporting Kansas City, if I'm not mistaken, Matt. Uh, how yeah, did that one go yeah. down for your side? Uh, so nice opening goal from Daniel Shallowy to kind of kick things off. Came off of a, a nice deflection that kind of looped it over the goalkeeper. Um, then pretty back and forth. Uh, the, one of the big storylines is Martin Poss had a big match uh, penalty save um, and just really stood big for, for Dallas. Uh, and then... 
on it, I'm trying to remember exactly if it was in the the run of play or uh, in the direction of the game or not, but uh Alan Velasco just found, you know, maybe two yards of space that he was able to just lift a ball around John Polescamp. Uh and then Jesus Ferreira is able to put first shot on goal, blocked by Polescamp, and then just nobody was alert to get on top of the rebound before Ferreira was able to hop back on it. And it's the Dallas team is it looks solid, truthfully. Uh I like a lot of what they're doing. Um and if they're getting goals from Velasco and Ferreira, they're gonna be in a good way. Uh they need to figure out some of their midfield rotations yet, but uh, I think that there's still a lot to like about that team. For sporting, gotta figure some stuff out. They need to figure out how to have a <laughs> have a midfield with an average age under 33. Um, but we got our first goal for the season, and we'll see what else happens from there. Hey, first game. Yeah, still a uh, lot yeah. of injuries. I need to make sure yeah. that that's something that we yeah, have to yeah. know. All three designated players are out right now. Uh, but still, I think that we would expect more from a team that has been around each other as much as they have, that has, you know, one of the better coaches in Major League Soccer. I, they've they've just got to step it up, though. Yeah, this was supposed to be a god as year. He hasn't scored yet, you know. That, that that kind of stuff. That that that's the stuff that leaves you hanging a bit when you talk about SKC. For Dallas, yeah, pretty similar to what they were last year. And this and again, they just kind of run it back. You know, I think they're but they sit fourth right now. They look pretty comfortable. Uh not a team that, you know, when you watch them, you're like, oh, variance. You know, like this it's a team that's set in their ways, pretty consistent with the mean, mm-hmm. what you would expect from them. Jesus gets another goal. Uh massive for him uh early season he scored two against galaxy at home comes back home after not scoring versus vancouver gets another one so that's three for him so far velasco gets on the score sheet as well good news with the pomical uh, injury mri came back negative so they say just a little bit of soreness so he should be back sometime soon you took the words out of my mouth i was going to mention about the midfield rotations because even um I forget who they shipped off this offseason. I just off the top of my head. Uh, Brent Cervania. Yeah, thank you. Cervania, yeah, to Toronto. Um, and yet you still have, like, five midfielders that can play in there uh, between Legette, Cerillo, and Pomichol, who were the ones that they started this weekend, and then Sambalang and Quinone off the bench, like we're talking about. Even, you know, like, yeah, Sans, Brandon, Cervania, you still have five midfielders. So kind of All of whom are very, very, like trained up through your system or brought right. in and have been in that team for a minute. Like it's, it's right. a great talent pipeline and great continuity throughout the entire team. It's a wonderful problem to have, you know, like having five midfielders that I would trust to step in and play when you play a four, three, three is, you know, that that's talent to spare. Um, and then, you know, Poss committing the penalty, but then saves it. So, you know, cre- credit to him. Uh, and you know, the back line, um, maybe, maybe should do a little bit better, but I think uh, over the course of the season, I mean, like over, over the course of this, you know, the, the first four games back line has been all right. They, they've let up a goal in every game they've played, but you know, they've only let up one goal in every game they've played. So fine, right. A goal a game, especially mm-hmm. when you've got, have guys up top, like Jesus and Velasco to get your goals. Dallas seems to be back to where they were last year. And that's a, 
pretty top end playoff team. So we'll see if they're able to continue it. If I can make to... one last note on Sporting Kansas City, go ahead. If if Stefan Fry makes Team of the Week as at goalkeeper against Sporting Kansas City next week, I will consider this entire season cursed because every single goalkeeper in the Team of the Week has come against Sporting Kansas City, and I am so tired of it. So oh, really, was Poss but, goalkeeper? Yeah, of the week Poss was goalkeeper of the week. Before that, it was uh, Jonathan Bond from the Galaxy. Before that, it was David Bingham, I think. So Yikes. it's yeah. what a time to be alive. Right. I mean, listen, that's that's not a slight on David Bingham. Don't don't don't. Or, uh, that, uh, William Yarbrough before that, and then David oh, Bingham before him, I believe. Right. Right. I mean, like again, not slights on any of those goalkeepers. Good goalkeepers, but for four four in a row, that's got. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, that's painful. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, we'll see what SKC can do. They're in 13th, two draws, two losses to start the season. Not pretty for them. We'll see if they're able to turn it around, though, because we talk about them only scoring one goal. I mean, they've only let up three. Like, it's not the end of the world, but hey, they got to do a little bit better in front of goal, and we'll see, especially if they're able to reincorporate those DPs from, at some point, uh, what they could be. Uh, quick hits. Uh, Galaxy, Vancouver, 1-1. Minnesota wins 2-1 on the road against Colorado, Chicago, and Cincy, maybe one of the more entertaining games. They draw 3-3 at Chicago. Chicago has been finding a way to draw high-scoring games at home uh, so far. Uh, Chris Muller gets on the score sheet for Chicago, which they've got to love. Um, We'll we'll see what those teams are able to do, but, I mean, we know that Cincy's better than a draw against Chicago, I think, uh, over the course of the season. New England, though, Matt, last result before we uh, close up the pod. New England, 1-0 at home against Nashville. This team seems to kind of be returning to something that we uh, recognize from this New England side, especially at home. At, at, at home, this team is undefeated, 3-0 so far this season. The only loss came in that uh, 4-0 shellacking at LAFC. But besides mm-hmm. that, this team's on nine points and kind of flying. Yeah, I, I think that a lot of that comes down to just being very, very solid in the system that they're running. So they're they're playing out of that, you know, four four two diamond with uh, normally be Carlos Heel at the ten. Uh, this week it was Gustavo Bo who found a great, great goal to to find to get past Willis, um, and it just gives them a ton of defensive stability when their fullbacks are getting forward, specifically Dejuan Jones, who is incredible like his ability to serve a ball in is next level stuff um and then yeah reinforcing that with romney coming from you know this is a little bit of a revenge match against uh nashville you know they're just very very solid throughout you know kessler polster romney have developed a very good understanding petrovich is a strikingly good goalkeeper uh i think truthfully like between him and takeoka I am so excited to see how the goalkeeper race goes. Uh, Takeoka coming from Vancouver. Uh, the two of them just find saves that I just did not think are possible. And it's really, really exciting to watch. Uh, and then, yeah, still love to see uh, young guys come through for, for uh, New England, uh, specifically Noel Buck. Like, they, the kid's got it. And I think he's going to be starting to push for some additional playing time very, very quickly here. And and we'll see what that means for his career in new England, what that means for potentially finding a way to try and start finding a fight into national team stuff. Yeah. I mean, between him and Esmir, it's fun. A 17, Mm -hmm. 18 year old getting the job done. 
in MLS, right? And, I mean, just look all over. It's not, like, top of the league talent, but they have talent all, all over the pitch, more so than they do last year. Um, getting Latif helps, uh, you know, a, a ton because we know how he's just so good in this league. Um, I, w- I was thinking about this when I was watching the LAFC game, even though they lost and they had some bad moments defensively. DeWan- in the left-back charts of the United States, he's up there for me, especially attacking-wise. I trust DeWan more, and I trust most United States left-backs when it comes to crossing the ball, um, you know, period. Like, I, any left-back. F- find, find me a better one in the uh, in the U.S. pool that can cross the ball like he can. Uh, Bai got the job done this weekend as well. It was only 1-0, but Nashville's a good side. Um, and, and so I, I said uh, there were 3-0 at home, 2-0. Their, their first game was against Charlotte that they won um, at the bank, 1-0. And then, I mean, at LAFC, things happen, right? Like, 4-0. Matt, do you see that game, the, the 4-0 LAFC game? I watched most of it. Um it truly, I think it just came down to the fact that LAFC was firing on all levels and oh, they yeah. were just kind of dancing through that in midfield. Like there was just no real good way to slow them down. I I give that more on New England not really being or being smart or not being smart enough is kind of a mean way to say it, but not finding a way to get additional support to Polster in the midfield to to really kind of give them some more stability. Yeah, and and the way that uh, Steve Trundolo broke it down in the post game, I think that was smart. You can go back and take a listen. Uh, not, I don't mean you, I mean like listeners can go back and take a listen uh, to the way he broke it down. Essentially, he basically said we made this adjustment. I forget what the, I forget the, what the specific adjustment was, but we made an adjustment in like twenty minutes. They didn't have an answer. That was the game, and mm-hmm. it was kind of kind of like that. Tim Tillman, by the way, so, uh, as Vince stuff says, nice. He's a nice boy. He man. He is pretty with the ball. He can make stuff happen. A, a super fun player to watch. But no, I was getting at it. Like, do you see that Petrovic save on like three nil against Vela or two nil? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, just nuts! Like, it, I really, the, it seriously, those two are the two goalkeepers that I'm most excited to watch this season because I love Takeoka's goal or uh, goal line save, double save actually against the Galaxy this week. It's just. We got yeah. some good good players in this league, guys. Like very, it's, it's fun very, to watch. Very good players in this league. Petrovic is going to go for massive money um, somewhere, yeah, some somewhere to a very big club in Europe. Uh, yeah, excited to see what he can do um, in the remaining time he has left in this league. Probably not long for the league. Um, we touched on basically every result I, I meant to hit on. Uh, you mentioned Von Zier getting that goal late for Red Bulls to beat Columbus. Red Bulls bad first half comeback. Win uh, or score the two in the second half to get the job done. Uh, it, that stadium was buzzing as it ever is, which because there's not ever too many people in it, but it was buzzing. Um, especially when Vonzier got that late winner um, on 86 minutes. So great for him and great for Red Bulls uh, as they look to make the season, you know, a little better than last year and, and try and make a real push in playoffs. Right now they sit ninth, that last playoff spot, the wild card spot. One win, one loss, two draws. Uh, that that makes it five points on the season for them so far through their first four games. For Columbus, again, I, I thought this team had it. I thought that this game they I, they just looked better in the first half, and I thought they were gonna they were gonna get the job done. They did not. Um, so for Columbus, they sit twelfth, one win, one draw, two losses through the first four games. Matt, last piece of news before we leave: it was confirmed this week All Star Game in DC will be against 
Arsenal. We're going back to the old format, the old, you know, MLS All-Stars play some great European team. Arsenal right now, league leaders in the Premier League, and they have a good shot to win that trophy for the first time in a very long while. So I am interested, quickly before we leave, get your thoughts on uh, this this kind of new format um, or kind of return to the old format and on the All-Star game versus Arsenal this coming uh, July, I believe. Yeah, I, largely agnostic. I think that it's going to be a fun match. I think that, you know, there is no question that a team like that can bring the crowd, will bring the energy, um, the... <laughs> the video that they or that Arsenal released uh with Matt uh Turner kind of breaking down the different you know weird intricacies of major league soccer uh, he's every marketing person's dream in this sport i think um so it is is pretty funny stuff um i will there's obviously still going to be such a close connection with Liga MX uh with League's Cup uh i loved the all-Star Weekend against La Liga. Like, that was just really, really entertaining. But I think that this is going to be such a good time. And I think that Arsenal team is obviously very, very good. So it'll be uh, a interesting match to see if our, our guys can hold up. Yeah, and I think MLS is at, I mean, I would say even a different point than the last time that we played these European teams. What, All-Star Game 2019 was the last time that we played... Um, like the true European, like top tier caliber team. And I feel like this league is just at a different point uh, in its development and its talent uh, that I just hope that Arsenal decides to show up and actually give a game. Uh, it'll be preseason for them, but if they're actually able to show up and I want to see it be a, a real game, not like an all-star game, you know what I mean? Because that was what I loved about the Liga and Mekis games is that they were real games and the players were going at it. That was super um, entertaining to watch and a breath of fresh air. Obviously, running it back three years in a row with League's Cup is kind of redundant a little bit, so switch it up and get Arsenal this year is fine, but I want to see it be a real game. That'll be the only thing I'm concerned about, but hey, uh, that uh, we'll see what happens July 19th at Audi Field. Um, maybe Magic. Maybe Magic for the third year running for MLS uh, in the All-Star game. We'll see what happens. Uh, Matt, thank you so much for joining me this week. Andres will be back next week. He just had a, a bit of a busy, busy travel week, so he should be back next week, and hopefully we're, we're, we will be able to run it back, all three of us, um, on MLS Bench to touch on, I think, CCL. We'll have to touch on that again next week, previewing uh, the, the next round, and obviously MLS always gives us a few curveballs, so super excited to touch on that with you, Matt, and with Andres next time. Listeners, thank you so much for listening. Again, uh, we asked for a little bit of help, but down Download, rate, review, retweet on Twitter. You can join the MLS Bench Discord with the link in our Twitter bio or scuffed even. If you want some of the latest on the craziness in the USMNT and USWNT sphere, join scuffed. Man, soccer in America is booming. We love to see it. And we will talk again next week. But until then, enjoy life, enjoy the beautiful game, and thanks for listening.